do need another building. But it sure does sound good when you sing in here. It is amazing. Uh, Why don't you stand for just a second? You want to do that? And you want to turn to Mark chapter 14. I'm hoping that Brother Adrian will remain my friend after tonight. If not, I have Caleb and Chris. And the boys didn't even back up when I said hey to them. So they were like, you know, unlike some people at the other meetings who don't speak. But at any rate. I have something that I want to try my best to convey to you that I think is of the utmost importance in the latter days. In the latter days, it's important to recognize and understand that all the devil wants to do with you after you're saved is to get you out of fellowship with the Lord and to get you out of church. And the emphasis is on church in this sense of the word because we need it. But there's a bad misconception because historically what built the church and where the church came from, and that has now gotten into 2022 where oftentimes when people come to church they have misconceptions about what church is and about what their role in the church is. And oftentimes we find that people don't get out, they burn out. Because what happens is, is the expectation of them growing faster than they're capable of growing puts pressure on them that they can't withstand. And then the next thing you know, they run off the rails. It's not because they wanted to. It's because they were not analyzed properly enough. I'm looking at little babies that are here. And we can stare at the baby all night long, pull out a tape measure and go, okay, 26 inches. And then the next morning, get out there and measure that baby and the baby's probably going to be 26 inches because we know babies don't grow overnight. There's a principle in the Bible that when you're born again, you are a baby and you're to desire the sincere milk of the Lord. The Lord doesn't put you on steroids to make you grow faster than you're capable of growing because with growth comes pressure. And sometimes that pressure puts us to the point that instead of getting in fellowship with the Lord and learning how to walk with Him. Have you ever noticed that about Him? He never runs. He walks. He wants to enjoy the time with you. But sometimes what happens in our churches, I'm sure not New Heights and all the other churches that are represented here, sometimes what happens is is we get saved and we're relieved from the burden of the world as you heard the testimonies and we're so glad to be free and we trade in those iron shackles for platinum shackles that maybe you're fur-lined, and instead of having a canvas straitjacket, we have a really nice silk-lined straitjacket, but it's bindings nonetheless. Just one verse, and then we're going to pray, and I'm going to do my best to just give you a couple of examples, and some of you pastors, please don't stone me after it, and Brother Dominguez is my friend, and I think he'll understand where I'm coming from. I, I hope that you'll get what I'm trying to say. Notice this in verse number 8. You all know the story about Mary. Now, for those of you that are new to this, this is not a man. This is a woman. This is a woman who is only known for doing one thing. But it's so important to the Lord that of all the people he could build a memorial to, 
and wants to be spoken with equity when it comes to preaching the gospel, he says, let this be a memorial to her. Watch. Verse 8, 7, the poor you have with you always, whensoever ye will, you may do good to them good, but me you have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached. Would you agree that would be an important message, even though we understand dispensationally, doctrinally, where everything goes. Would you agree the gospel in that age is the way people got to Jesus Christ? Would you agree that's an important thing? An important doctrine in the Bible, okay? It's, you understand that, right? All right, now watch. Wherever this gospel, wheresoever the gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken for of her for what? A memorial to her. Brother Chris, you pray. Would you please ask the Lord to help us? Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Give me just a few minutes maybe to unwrap this to hopefully make a little bit of sense with you. There's a thing in the Bible, and most of you are Bible believers, but it's a, something that you need to have in the back of your mind whenever you study the Bible. It's called the law of first mention. It's a basic rule in Bible study. If you find something mentioned the first time in the Bible, generally there'll be further mention of it and it'll generally coincide with the first mention and then there's final mention and that'll wind up taking place later in the Bible. It's not always true, but most of the time it's true. It's a pretty safe thing to be able to go by to realize what God's doing when he puts his fingerprint on something. In the book of Genesis, you find the problem and everybody knows the story about Eve and how the devil came and he tempted her. But I'd like to just maybe bring to your attention tonight that one of the problems with Eve was is she wanted something out of time that God didn't want her to have. And what she did was is the devil tempted her by saying, don't you want to get it now? You remember in Matthew chapter number 4 when the Lord comes up after the baptism and you remember he's taken by the Spirit, led into the wilderness apart. He's tempted of the devil for 40 days and then at the end of that 40 days he comes with three temptations that take place. All three of those temptations, every one of those are the right thing but the wrong time. This is really important now because here's the thing. We're trying to make something happen before it's ready. If you know anything about plants, now where I'm from, they have some fruit trees and things like that. They have limes and lemons and oranges and tangerines and those kinds of things. 
you can actually make that plant grow faster by adding a lot of nitrogen to the fertilizer. The problem is, is that when you do that, you cause the tree to go faster than it's able to keep the calipers of the limbs growing. So even if it does produce fruit, it will probably be bitter. But second of all, the weight of the fruit will break the branches because the branches need to grow and ready to support the fruit when the fruit's there. Do you understand the principle? The problem that often happens is, is that we think with everything else in life, kids start off in kindergarten for the most part, whether you homeschool or not, I'm not going into all of that stuff, okay? But they start with some pre-regular school uh, learning, kindergarten, pre-K, whatever you want to call it, learn their ABCs and learn their math and learn different things like that. And then after they do that, they go into elementary school. You would not dare give a first grader, 12th graders work. But we don't even pause or hesitate to think that we should take a new believer and give them 12th grade work. And sometimes what happens is, is that they wind up producing some fruit, but that fruit breaks the branches. And now we have a broken down baby because there was too much pressure put on them at too early of a time period. Can I remind you of this story in 2 Samuel chapter number 6 when that thing went on over in 2 Samuel chapter 6. David has now been 98 years since Eli and the Philistines came in there. Eli fell off. He was fat. He fell over backwards, broke his neck and his boys were wicked and they got killed and the Philistines had the ark. you remember the story? Read it when you get home. If not, just like I'm not going to turn to all of these places. I'm just setting a precedent for you. I'm just giving you an, an entrance way for you to maybe to understand something. Believe it or not, I'm not going to try to ramp you up. I'm going to try to, to, to slow you down. We're in a marathon. We're not in a sprint. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12, you know what he says? He said, let us run the race. Oh, I've heard a million sermons on run the race. But you forget the next two words, with patience. You know what works patience? You know what will slow you down? Tribulation. You ever wonder why tribulation comes in some people's lives? It's to throw out the boat anchor. I'll come back to David in just a second, but I learned this from a guy who sails all the time. We have oceans out there where I'm at, and I guess they're nice to look at and those kinds of things. Uh, they're not fun when you know they're fueling a hurricane, and you know you can get a little spun up about that. But he actually sails, and so he told me one day, and I said, well, like when a bad storm is coming, he said, what do you do? And of course he said, well, we turn into the waves, right? I said, okay, I understand that. And I said, do you throw out an anchor? He said, no, you'll capsize. I said, well, what do you do? Do you like, you know, put up the, the sails and all that? And he goes, you leave the sails up, but you throw out a sea anchor. And I said, you throw out a sea anchor? He goes, yeah, it's like a gigantic bag. It looks like a huge canvas balloon. And he said, you tie it off to the cleats on the back. And what that does is, is it drags on the back of that boat and it keeps that boat up. And even if the boat gets hit sideways because of the drag on the back, it will keep that boat upright even in the midst of a storm. I thought, that's profound. Yes. Because most of us as Christians are always in a hurry to try to speed up and go faster, 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 faster until all of a sudden flame on and flame out. And so then where I go, I get a privilege of going a few places and this includes for where I'm at home. I find Christians that are there and they're with Elijah under the juniper tree and they're downtrodden and they're discouraged and they're depressed because they've done everything they know to do but they are at the end of themselves. I talk to preachers on a regular basis and they would never tell their congregation this but they are worn slap out. 
But part of the problem is not the fact that they shouldn't be doing things. It's that they're trying to do everything. And sometimes what we have to learn is, is that fast is not always best. I learned this a long time ago. I used to ride a motorcycle for a while. And, you know, just so that you know, you may not, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not a policeman anymore, none of that other kind of stuff. But we do have things for people that like to make donut jokes. We can hold you for up to 24 hours while we try to identify you <laughs> and deprive you of all your freedoms and creature comforts to make you think twice before you tell donut jokes because all you did for all three of us is make us go, okay, well, where are they then? <laughs> Don't tell us you have them and then not show us where they are. The sin is not in telling us that you made fun of us for eating donut. Well, that's why there are blue lights on your car. You turn, why? Going to the donut shop. You all know that, right? So, I mean, don't tell us they're down there. We're all jonesing thinking, can we go downstairs now? <laughs> but so so here's, here's one of the things that I learned a long time ago. Uh, they took us out there. We had a Kawasaki 1000. We had to learn to ride it. And you have to do all these special things for a couple of weeks of school and, and that kind of a deal. And, and they brought us out there. And you go air them out on the track and that kind of a deal. And then they line you up there. And we think we're going to have like a drag race, right? So everybody's like revving it up and getting ready to go. We're going to see how fast we can go. And the instructor comes in and says... The one who gets to that line at the end of the field last wins. And, of course, all of us hot dogs are like, what? you got to be kidding me. You know what he said? Anybody can keep a motorcycle upright fast. It takes balance to ride it slow. And what will kill you quicker is a loss of balance than speed. I found that to be true. I managed to survive, obviously, had a few little mishaps along the way, but did lose some of my friends, but I found that to be true. I found that to be true in the Christian life. I find that for oftentimes what a lot of us wind up doing is, is that the devil does not oppose us to our face. He's smarter than that. What he does is, is use the things that are good and godly and right and all those kind of things. And what he does is, is he pushes up behind us and makes us move faster than we're able to move. We can't keep up. We always got to do more, got to do more, got to do more. There's a movement down in the south right now that's resurrected itself. It used to be around years ago, then it kind of died out, and now it's back. And it's right on the cusp of Calvinism. And what a lot of the preachers are starting to do because the churches are beginning to empty and instead of them pausing a minute and thinking maybe I'm applying a little too much pressure at the wrong time instead of getting people to grow. Can I ask you a question? When the baby gets born, shouldn't you enjoy the baby? I mean, it's like, oh, wow, hurry up. You, when are you going to cut the grass? And when are you going to wash the car? And when are you going to change the oil? And man, I mean, good night. You got to be, I mean, shouldn't you just enjoy the baby being a baby for a while? Do you think the Lord is any different when it comes to you meet him, you get saved by him? Do you think he's in a hurry for you to hurry up? Get busy, get busy, get busy, get busy. I mean, the apostles weren't kids when he called them. Moses was 80 when he put him back in the trenches. Some of you are looking at me like either you're constipated, you got gas, or you have never heard anybody think, I should enjoy my relationship with the Lord. I should have a good time. I didn't get married because I couldn't wait to get in the traces and see what her and I can do together. I got married because I love her and I want to spend time with her. I enjoy being with her. I enjoy having dinner with her. It's not just fix the roof and cut the grass and get this done and get that done. My relationship with her doesn't depend 
all the time on me taking care of all the honeydews. Your relationship with the Lord doesn't depend upon you taking care of all the honeydews. It depends on your relationship from your heart. Remember David, as I told you, David goes over in 2 Samuel 6, 98 years the ark has been with the Philistines. 98 years and David said, you know what, let's go get it. Well, he didn't bother to take the time to read because that would have took time. He took it upon himself, used the tools at his disposal. He was the king. He had, I have no doubt in my mind, the greatest card ever built to carry an ark. I, I guarantee you it was decked out to the nines. Maybe a lowrider. I don't know. I'm just saying, maybe. I don't know. Might have hopped a little. I don't know. You know, but sorry, we go back away. So she's like, oh, no, he didn't. I read lips, too, and minds. She's like. Oh, do I, do I let him talk about my pastor that way? <laughs> so David gets that and he gets the oxen, remember? And then he goes up there and he gets the cart. Why? Because the Lord said for them to carry the ark, but David got in a hurry. You know where the ox stumbled? In the smoothest place that there was on the threshing floor. You say, why? In a hurry. Guess what happened? Because they were in a hurry, there was collateral damage. Not only did Uzzah die, but the ark winds up gone for a while and David goes back and says, man, I'm now afraid, now I'm scared. There goes my testimony, there goes everything. I'm trying to do something to serve the Lord. But the Lord's like, I'm not interested in speed, I'm interested in accuracy. It's more important to do it the right way than it is to try to hurry up and get it done. Is this making any sense to you at all? So what happens is a lot of people come into our churches and we feel it's our responsibility to hurry up and get them to grow, hurry and grow. It doesn't apply anywhere else in life. Now I realize a lot of you graduate from college and you think you should own your company and be the CEO of that company and you wouldn't dare sweep the floors. You wouldn't come up here with Caleb and Jasmine and you wouldn't come over here and sleep in a house that's freezing cold and frozen water pipes and all that kind of stuff and let the Lord use you over time. You'd be like, hey, where's the church you want me to take over? You, you wouldn't be here for years. But you ever look at the older guys that have been around for years? Do you know why? They're not fast. They're steady. You know what they are? They'll plow every day and they'll plow all day but you ain't going to put them on the racetrack and run the Kentucky Derby. And most of them, no offense to you pastors that are here, they don't look like show ponies. They don't look like thoroughbreds. I, I'm just saying. Some of us are just ugly. I don't know why that is, but oxen and a, a donkeys, that, he calls them asses. That's too ugly animal. That ox is so ugly he just walks with his head down all the time. Shakes it side to side. But you know something about that ox? When that ox gets hung up on a stump, do you know what that ox does? He gets down on his knees and you know what he does? This is a true story. Google it. I realize where I'm at. I saw the gummy bear stand when I walked in. And he leans into it until he breaks it loose. You know what these old guys do when they get into trouble? You know what they do? They drop their head. They hit their knees and they lean into the plow. That's why they're still here. Because they have something that comes from being steady and being stable, but it's not always being fast. Fast doesn't last. I would say in the South, I would say it this way, fast don't last. 
but up here, because y'all are sophisticated, I say fast doesn't last. <laughs> I know where I'm at, very educated, very well-known people. All right, so David made a mistake. You, you agree with me? So there's a precedent in the Bible that when people get in a hurry, they have a tendency to get ahead of the Lord, right? So there's a passage in the Bible, I think you'll find it in the book of Isaiah, that says, they that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings of evils, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not be faint, right? Isn't it strange that when the Lord comes walking on the water, the Bible said he would have walked past them or he would have passed them by, but somebody cried out. But the interesting thing I want you to see tonight is, is that even though his people are in trouble, he's not running to get them, he's walking. Because the Lord is not in a hurry. We're in a big hurry to change somebody. It took them years to get to where they are. It may take a few years to get them out of where they were. The later they got saved. I had an eight-year-old kid come to me yesterday. He said, Preacher, he was just as serious as a sack full of rattlesnakes, man. He said, Preacher, he said, that's Southern. Y'all didn't know that one. I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty serious, man. That's messed up as a, as a bag of coat hangers. I got a whole bunch of them. Came a frog strangler tonight. How are you doing? Finer than frog's hair. You ever seen a frog's hair? Pretty fine, ain't it? That little boy walked up to me. You know what he said? He said, preacher, he said, standing right at the altar. We got finished with the service yesterday. Pretty good service and that kind of a deal in spite of the preacher. And he comes up there and he says, preacher, I just really got to talk to you. He's wringing his hands and stuff. And I said, what's the matter? I thought he was like, you know, maybe he wasn't sure of his salvation or something. He says, preacher, he puts his hands on his hips. He said, I just, I just, you know, I know that I'm saved, but I, I just don't see the change. How'd you like to have that one put on you? It's like, Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. 35. <laughs> I don't know, maybe you would give him John three sixteen, and I'm like, what do you mean you don't see the change? He goes, I I've been saved for a whole year, but I really haven't changed that much. And I said, okay, you really weren't that bad before you got saved. You're eight. He goes, yes, I know, I'm eight. I'm like, you're eight. You got saved when you were seven, and according to your mom and dad and what I know of you, there wasn't a lot of devils in you at the time. <laughs> but you know what he's thinking? There should be some magnanimous, some change, because he hears older people talk about the old life and things that had happened and the huge change in their life. Yeah, but what he doesn't realize, they didn't get saved when they were seven. Right. So by the time they got saved, there was a bunch of devils in them with the present company excluded. And I know you having a baby, and I know he's not, but he is riding that wave as best he can. Oh, he is pulling on your sympathy, empathy strings. Before long, y'all be having a shower for him. It won't be nothing for the baby. It'll be like, could I get a new deer rifle with that? And some GQ cream. Can I get a gift certificate to the Banana Republic? Oh, you know what I'm, I know you know what I'm talking about. So here's the principle that I want you to see tonight is, is that too often we wind up getting undue pressure placed upon us instead of just, listen, I know I'm going to sound a little charismatic, okay? The one thing about the charismatics is they enjoy Jesus. Now see, you think I just cussed. 
you think I'm an apostate right now because if I was slamming the pulpit and I was getting on to you for smoking and drinking and cussing and chewing and watching the wrong movies and going to the wrong places and doing the wrong things and for pants and pork and haircuts and hemlines, you'd be amen and boy, you'd be up here just you know, you'd be frothing at the mouth and stuff like that. You know? But if I say enjoy Jesus, like he just cussed in the pulpit. He did, didn't he? I heard him. He did. He cussed. I don't know how many four-letter words that did, but I, I, he, he did. Enjoy Jesus. We, we don't, no, we don't do that. Jesus isn't something to be enjoyed. It's somebody that we bow to, that we submit to, and that drives us. No, wait a minute now, Genesis 33. Be careful because when the people are little and the sheep are young, if you drive them, you'll kill them. Say, how do you know about any of this? I killed a bunch of sheep. How'd you like to live with that? The Lord came to my church one day, not much bigger than this. He said, I dropped off some lambs. How are they doing? Came to check on my investment. All I could do was point to hides hanging on the wall. Came from a paramilitary background. All I knew was training, 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 training. I think that's the first time I've ever told that without breaking down in tears because I can tell you some of those sheep, they've never come back. Boy, I was hellfire and brimstone. I had the stinking compassion of an alley cat. And God had to do some things. When I realized that I wanted to quit, I think one of the hardest things David ever had to live with was not the four that died uh, because of his sin with Bathsheba. It's the 70,000 that died because of his pride. And fortunately, the old preacher pulled me over to the side one day and he said, uh, you can't train them like you're training recruits. He said, learn a lesson from somebody that's been there. He said, eventually you'll train a bunch of killers and they'll kill out and kill whoever you want killed and then they'll kill each other and then they'll kill you. See, sometimes, I hate to tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes the problem ain't the people, it's the preachers. And I'm a preacher. And it's time that we're back down here where we belong instead of up here being thought of as something that we're not. God has to work on us too. For people that are driven to do what I used to do, it's hard for me to slow down. You know why? Stinking pride. Proud as a peacock. That's funny. It says, hurry up. And the Lord says, slow down. Wait on me. I'll let you know when I'm ready. Wait on me. It's easy to be obedient when he says, run. It's hard for me to be obedient when he says, wait. But I found in my personal life, he has shown up many more times when I have waited than when I have run. But here's the thing that's strange to me. I enjoy my relationship with him so much more now. And I realize the pressure was coming from another source. It wasn't him. He was like, I would tell you to do that. What is your hurry? We got eternity. What do you? What if the rapture happens tomorrow? You know, the Lord's like, 
Okay, well, plant your taters today. They asked Luther, if you knew that the Lord, they talked back then, they called it the second coming. If the second coming was happening tomorrow, what would you do? Like there's going to be some big change. Like for some of you to be like, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll go out to my car and I'll get rid of my meth and I'll get rid of my pipe and I'll get rid of my, I, mean, I don't want to get caught with all that, especially with all these policemen around here. <laughs> you know, see, I, I never mind. <laughs> some of you kind of got that look, just a little, just a little. The Lord's not complete and done with the cosmetic surgery yet. But some of you, you know, you kind of got that. You got on a suit and tie, but you ain't changed that much yet. I'm just, just saying. You know what Luther said? He said, I'd plow my taters. They said, what? He said, I'm supposed to plow my taters tomorrow. If the Lord was coming, I would do tomorrow what I'm supposed to do tomorrow. That's plow my taters. See this big, huge paradigm shift of, now I'm saved, I got to... Go, get busy, do. No, get to know him. The baby's just been born. Get to spend some time with him and get to know him. Now, let me show you something. I'm setting up for a big crescendo here. (laughs) Mary and Martha are two of the ladies in the Bible, right? They're sisters. Do you remember the story where the Lord comes in there and Martha's all in a huff because Mary is not doing what Martha's doing? Can I say this with all due respect? Some of you are like that. You don't think anybody else can enjoy Jesus unless they're doing what you're doing. But let me say this to you, if I could carefully. You're all different. And each one of you have different gifts and talents and abilities. And God gave each of you different graces. And he gave you different measures of that grace. Not everybody is a preacher. I know, ladies, sorry. I know, you're, you're good at it at home. I understand that. I mean, really, it's some of the best sermons I ever heard. At the house. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. Like, amen, sister, that's good preaching, you know. Why do I have to be the congregation, you know? But, but, but everybody's not a singer. Everybody's not a deacon. God gives certain men. You can't control that. But here's something more important You can't make that. I had an opportunity to go somewhere and one of the subjects I was supposed to speak on was is that we need to know how to train a Timothy. That was the thing. I was supposed to speak on that. And I said, well, first of all, you have to have a Timothy. So no, we make a Timothy. No, 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 no. You don't make a Timothy. Everybody's not a Timothy. But what we do is we pick who we like. Oh, I like Adrian. He's my guy. Well, dress is a little different, but he's my guy. So he's going to be a Timothy, but if God never called him to be a Timothy, it doesn't matter how much I try to put him, careful now, listen, no matter how much I try to put him in that mold, he will never be a Timothy. You know what I will do? I will frustrate him for years because he will think, because I said he should be a Timothy, that that's what he's supposed to be, and he's trying to be something God never gifted him to be. Oh, there's such liberty in that. I only have to do what God gave me the ability to do. That's a blessing. God gave me the ability to do certain things, but I can't do everything. Why? God didn't help me to do that. If I try to do something God didn't enable me to do, you know what it leads to? Frustration, aggravation, irritation, and I'm done, I'm burned out. 
because he didn't give me the gift, the several ability, the grace to perform the task that somebody else is trying to put me in the harness to do. This is what you do. You are a Christian. This is, you do this. Okay, look, I'm not talking about reading your Bible praying. So you, you can put that one in your now. Oh, good. See, the Lord never told me to read the Bible. Yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. And he told you to come to church. Yes, he did. And he told you to stop talking like an alley cat. Yes, he did. Speech not to be condemned. I know the verses. And he told you to study. Okay, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the misconception that now that I'm in the church, i got to be doing something. Okay, why don't you wait till there's something that comes up. In the meantime, could you just do what you can? I mean, we went down to pray earlier today and the Brother Dominguez was trying to straighten me out and he gave me an outline and he said, you know, here's these things and I need you to cover these things here and make sure that you can stay within this or you won't get an offering. And I said, okay, maybe I can run up to Brother Chris. I don't know. I but anyway, so we were down there praying in the name of Jesus, you know, and, I'm, uh, and, and we're looking. Some people made some cookies. And I didn't see a stinking donut down there. And now that you know there's policemen here, there better be some donuts down there tomorrow. We have our ways. But, but guess what? Maybe that person who made those things, maybe they're, they're not a singer. And maybe, guess what? Maybe they have no patience for kids. Maybe their kid's a brat, and when they come to church, it's like, oh, i got to have somebody take care of my kids because I'm going insane, right? And you're mad at them because they're not working in the nursery. But it takes a grace to work in the nursery. And you've got to be able to powder behinds and change diapers. Some, some lady said, amen. <laughs> That's true. But when you try to make that out to somebody that's just not given that, you, you, the frustration that you're going to put on that person, you know what will happen? They'll stop coming to church just because they think they're expected to work there. I didn't say we don't need workers in the nursery. I didn't say it and we don't need... I know where you're going to go with this. You're going to run to the devil and back with it. Oh, good, I don't have to do nothing. Okay, be a bum the rest of your life and be a welfare Christian and just live off of everybody else. But I bet you don't apply that at work. And I bet you don't apply that at your home. I bet you don't apply it anywhere else. But why is it okay to apply it when it comes to church? There's a balance. But David had 600 men. And they were warriors. When he came back to Ziklag, guess what? David winds up saying to himself, Could you do me a favor? That right there is a trip hazard for senior citizens. Right there. Could you pick that up, please? I know it's not as big as a toothpick, but I might... I might fall. We have to make the senior citizen safe. I mean, I, before long, I'm going to have to have handrails here to be able to hold on to. I've been told this all day today. I was taken to a restaurant today that was nostalgic. It was back in the 50s, and so they were like, I wasn't born then, but preacher, this may mean something to you. And the food's good, and we hope you enjoy. Thank you. And the guests that I brought with me went right along with it. <laughs> Banana Republic. <laughs> but what winds up occurring is they wind up saying, you know what? I don't want to work in there. So I'll quit church because I'm being asked to do something I don't. 
know how to do. Didn't say she never would. But now remember, let's go back to Mary and Martha for just a second. Remember Mary and Martha? All right? So the Lord comes in there, and Martha is fussing at the Lord. You ever done that? If you're a pastor's wife, you have at least once. (laughs) Come on. Okay, it's your birthday. You can't lie on your birthday, except about your age. Okay? But, but, But listen to me. If, you're, if you've been in the church any amount of time at all, you have complained to the Lord about somebody that is not doing what you think they ought to be doing, man or woman. I just don't know why they won't do anything. That's how we say it down there. You say it this way. I just don't know why they don't do anything. In the, you know. I have to remember where I'm at. But now listen to me. Guess what happens? She's complaining to the Lord. But you've got to understand, Mary is not not doing anything. Did you get that? That's profound. People look at Mary and because Mary is sitting, but where is she sitting? She's not at the ball game. She's not at the arcade. Do they have those anymore? Pinball? Do they have those? Pool tables, all that stuff? Okay, she's not at that place. She's not out at the lake or the beach or the mountains, the streams. She's at the feet of Jesus. So do you understand? She's not not doing nothing, anything, I guess would be correct English. She's doing something. She's just not doing what Martha thinks she should do. And can I say this? You never find a place where she ever does. She must be a backslidden heifer is all I can tell you. Everybody knows there's no doubt you can't be saved and be in fellowship with God if you're not being with Martha in the kitchen. It wasn't that she wasn't doing anything. It's that Martha doesn't like the fact that she wasn't doing what Martha thought she should do, but she was doing what Jesus thought she should do. Your Bible school student, what was she doing? Seriously? That's not, that's not working. That's all you got? That's all you got. She's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Would be kicked out of most of our Baptist churches. Because she came just to sit and listen. She's just riding a pew. Come on, am I in the Bible? Your Bible believers only. King James only! Right? I'm King James. I mean, I'm not King James. I'm, I'm for the King James Bible. Now, now you're like, he has lost it now. Have him take him down to the hospital. He's already, look, you see, he's up there, he's doing this. He's calling the nut wagon. You know what she's doing? She's just sitting listening. You know what she's known for? Sitting and listening. But I'm going to show you something in a second. Her listening resulted in some learning. And that learning caused her to do something no one else did, even the ones that had been with the Lord for three and a half years. Because she took the time to sit and to listen. And to let the relationship develop. She got it when the other ones didn't. They're still arguing over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. 
They're still fussing and fighting and throwing dinner rolls at each other. Peter is still talking about walking on the water. You know he is. I mean, it's not in the Bible, but you know, and you know you would too. If you walked over, you know you'd be like, yeah, well, remember that storm we were in? Yeah, boy, it was a, boy, it was a bad, you're a Clydon. It was a bad one, boy. I mean, yes, Peter, we remember the storm. Oh, I remember, you know, the Lord come by, we thought he was a ghost. Well, y'all did anyway and all that. But, you know, I hollered at him. And I, yes, Peter, we know. You know you'd be that way, right? That one soul you led to the Lord 25 years ago. Oh, you can remember like it was yesterday because it's your only one. But at least you got one, you know, right? But now watch. Believe it or not, I'm fixing to land the plane. It's not that Mary didn't want to do anything. It's that until Mary knew what she was supposed to do, she didn't do anything. Except sit, listen, and obviously learn. So I got to thinking to myself... I spent a lot of time behind a school desk. I mean, in my day, we had like little, we didn't have tables, we didn't have tablets, we had ablicuses. <laughs> you don't even know what that is. It's got these little balls on a wire, and that's how you counted. We didn't have calculators. We had to watch out for dinosaurs during lunchtime. <laughs> At recess, we played Dodge the Dinosaur. That's how old I am, according to your pastor. The interesting thing was is that I had to sit. I was allowed to participate when I learned. And then I was learned to practice, or allowed to practice what I had learned until I became more proficient, at least proficient enough to get the grade on the card that allowed me to move to the next level. And guess what I did at the next level? I sat down behind a desk and I learned some more. And then I decided I wanted to have a brilliant idea. I want to get a job. And he said, high school diploma. And I'm like, oh, I, I've, I've sat and learned long enough. He's like, I don't care. You don't have the paper that says you sat and learned long enough. We do it in life. You at least get to high school. Guess what happened? I got out of high school. I had to finish all my college, all my other stuff later on after I became a policeman. But, but here's the strange thing. As soon as I decided I wanted to be a policeman, they put me in the academy. You say, then you ran and you did all this. Yeah, we did a little bit of that. The rest of the time, like seven hours a day, I was sitting behind a desk again. (laughs) Then I got involved in some special stuff and things like that. And guess what they did? They sent me to the FBI Academy in Quantico (laughs) to have me evaluated by profilers. (laughs) (laughs) And guess what I did? I sat and learned some more. And they sent me to interview interrogation schools. And they sent me to this school and they sent me to this school. Literally, I'm not, I don't mean to take this the wrong way, hundreds of hours sitting and listening and learning. The applying didn't come till later on down the line. Until after I had sat long enough to learn what I needed to learn in order to fulfill what it was they wanted me to do. They were training me for a specific purpose. Some of you, I just saw the light come on. (laughs) Or either that's hot and now just came on down the road and you think the donuts are ready or something. But what you should have just felt right there was a pressure relief. Oh, it's okay not to sit on your blessed assurance, a bump on a log, 
but it's okay if you're sitting and learning. But you have to listen to learn. Oftentimes what happens is we as pastors get frustrated because all we do is just see you sitting. And so if you're not learning, we're going to teach you by example. And so we put you in the harness. And then we wonder why you kick out of the harness because you weren't called to pull that wagon. Some of you can't pull a plow. You can push a wheelbarrow. You'll never pull a plow, some of you. You ain't made for it. But you can push a wheelbarrow. You can push a broom. Some of you won't teach a Sunday school class, but you can sing a song. You can give a testimony. You can hand somebody a track. They say, oh, preacher, it don't. No, no, no. See, that's all part of the process. Everybody's different. I'm in 1 Corinthians 12 now. Don't turn there. But that's the Lord putting who he wants in the body, however he wants them to be in the body. Stop being frustrated that there's no more hands. Just be glad you're a hand. Where's all the miles at? Buried in Facebook. Where's all them fingers? On the keyboard. How am I doing? Now watch. When we come to church, we have this expectation on us. And instead of enjoying Jesus, like I charismatically said earlier, we come to church like, what do I do today? It's like going to the oncologist. Where are you going? Church, oncologist, ain't it the same thing? All they're going to do is radiate me. Why do you think that is? Because I know I'm doing something wrong. I'm just not happy. I just I'm getting, I get got on to all the time. I get got on to. You understand what I'm saying. They all the time whooping me down. You ever come to church and just feel like, I did good, I got to church. I'm the pastor. It's like, baby, we made it. We made it to church. She goes, you have an outline? No, give me one. But at least I'm here. I made it to church. Sometimes I just want to say to the people that are there, hey, I made it today. Ain't that a blessing? They're like, what's going on with the preacher? Must have had a late flight last night or too much coffee, you know. They spiked my coffee with espresso. They think it's funny to see an old man pull a muscle or a hammy because he's jumping around in the pulpit. If I shook my head like that, I'd have whiplash. Sometimes I'm just glad I made it. It's been a long week and I just want to enjoy Jesus. I just want to sometimes go, thank the Lord I'm saved. The rest of it I'm figuring out. Because sometimes I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and then I make a mess of it and I'm like, you know, I don't even know if he called me to do that. If he did, why did I make such a mess of it? Because you're a flop, you pinhead. And sometimes it's just good to say, well, I was a flop for you. The Lord said, oh, okay, well, good, I like that. Helping you any at all? Wouldn't it be great if you could just enjoy Jesus? Hey, it's not going to be some gigantic uh, thing that's going to happen and is it Aurora? Is that how you say it? I'm not trying to be. Or is it like Aura? <laughs> Pass the gummies or what? No. Uh, but so Aurora, there's not going to be some giant outbreak out there, but there can be an outbreak in here. You can actually enjoy Jesus. Listen, you go to the ball game. Why do you go to the ball game? 
Because I have to. My stupid grandkids play, and that's why. Okay, why do you go to the ball game? To enjoy the ball game. You and fish up here, yeah, I guess. Don't you? You got mountain streams and stuff, right? He ain't never took me fishing before. Fishing was around long before that stupid restaurant we ate at. He wants to be all nostalgic. Did you put a rod and reel in my hand? No, anyway. Why do you go fishing? It ain't because you're starving. You go to enjoy it. Same reason you can go hunting. Same reason we go to the restaurant. Sometimes we're hungry, but sometimes we just go to eat and enjoy the fellowship. Why? Because we're Baptist. They've took everything else away from us. Amen. I mean, we are fundamentalists. We can't have no fun. Oh, yes, we can. We can enjoy Jesus. They that wait on the Lord, you know what we have to do? We just have to wait sometimes. What do you do? Sit and wait. Just wait till he shows up. Just, what are you doing in the meantime? I'm just enjoying looking for him. Wouldn't it be a blessing to just come to church and just go, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy Jesus today. I'm going to sing at the top of my lungs. I'm going to break out in a sweat, man. I mean, I'm going to sing. I'm going to go out tomorrow and go, horse. where you been? At the ball game? No, I was at church. You were at church. Yeah. Want to see a video of what our church does? You all scream like that in church? Well, every now and then I get a little out of the box. Same way you do at the ball game. Yes. I had an old fellow come by me in, in Alabama one time. I'm almost done. It, that means 30 more minutes yeah. probably. <laughs> in those days you go by the back door and he comes by. He's an old farmer, you know, he comes by there. And I, I got a little stirred up back in those days. I could move around a little bit more, you know, without breaking something and that kind of deal. And, and I was kind of jumping around. I was a little bit excited and all that kind of stuff. He says, you ought to tone it down a little bit, boy. <laughs> I'm thinking, I could just sting your cheek, old man. I know what y'all would have said. Oh, well, God bless you. I'm thinking, ah, I'm uh, thinking, hmm, five little prints on the side of your... But anyway, <laughs> birthmark. <laughs> I happen to know that the guy liked NASCAR. So I just said, oh, God, help me to give him something spiritual. And here's what I gave him. Do you go to the races? <laughs> And he goes, why do you ask that? And I said, do you act at the races the same way you do in church? And boy, he looked at me like he was going to slap me. <laughs> and I said, you know what? It's funny. I guess we just holler at what we love. Need to tone it down there, boy. You need to tone it down at the races there, sir. Now watch, we're almost done. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And the Lord says to help me, Jesus, can we please resurrect this plant? <laughs> it's a miracle. It's alive. It just looks dead. Oh, Lord. We are completely off the rails now. The Lord looks at Martha. 
And it's called a gentle rebuke, but it would be embarrassing. He says, Martha, Martha, Mary hath chosen. Do you know the verse? The better part. What? Sitting at the feet of Jesus doing nothing? No, she's not doing nothing. Sitting at the feet of Jesus listening and learning is the better part than the doing because she's in the presence of the Lord. Well, the story moves on. And then guess what winds up happening or what winds up occurring? The Lord, now at the end of his ministry, they're having that last supper there. They're sitting down there, one of, the, one of the last meals, and the Lord breaks the bread and does all the other things that's there. And in comes Mary, and she doesn't come out of the kitchen. And you know what she has? The only thing she has to offer. I don't know. Maybe she's a bad cook. I'm not being funny. I don't know. She's never in the kitchen. I know this. She had the equivalent of a 401k that was guaranteed her that her sister would never be taken advantage of if Lazarus died and couldn't take care of her. That was there to give them the protection or insulation. That's Jewish custom. And she takes that alabaster box and being a good Baptist, she takes the lid off of it and pours out 10% of it and <laughs> puts the lid back on it and says, thank you, Jesus, appreciate you know I'm being silly. She gets the strength of Samson and she breaks that box. And it goes all over the Lord. You know what the Lord says? She hath wrought a good work, not for me, on me. She made him look good because she was willing to give what she had. But it doesn't say it was anything about the gift. That's not how the passage is written. It said she hath done what she could. What did she do? She worshiped the Lord. She anointed his body before he died and went in the tomb. She did that prior to that, even though there were poor people and all the other things. The Bible says not only Judas... All of them had great indignation to the point the Lord said, let her alone. Now think about this a minute, ladies. In a man-masculine-driven society on steroids compared to what it is now, and the Lord is getting on to the men and saying, give that girl some room and back off. He's defending her for what? She's not an evangelist, she's not a pastor, she's not an apostle, she's not a prophet, she's not a song leader, she's not a Bible teacher, she hasn't graduated from Bible school, she has no credentials whatsoever. All she is is a foot sitter. Every time she's around, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. What good are you? The Lord said, I'll make a memorial to her. Because she understood that was more important than doing something was just doing what you can do with the right motive for him not what Martha thinks you ought to be doing, but what the Lord tells you to be doing. Now, here's the thing, and I'm done. I've thought about broken vessels in my life. I remember a lady in Tennessee. She was on crutches back in those days when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. We had a, a little thing called polio. 
when we got sugar cubes, maybe you're probably not old enough to remember that, but some of you may remember that back in the day. Remember preacher, they had sugar cubes and they put the stuff on it. You had to line up and you would go into the schools and then they would give it to you and take that and you get the polio or you get the vaccine and it looks like you've been abducted by a UFO or something. It eats a big hole in your skin and, oh, I heard amen there. Say, oh, yeah, I have one of those. <laughs> Me too. It's not from polio vaccines. It's from a zit, but at any rate... <laughs> <clears throat> I squeezed a little too hard, but at any rate, she had been crippled by that horrible disease, and she looked like a crab when she walked. She had these the, uh, uh, locks on her legs. She would lock them out this way, and she had those things in her hand, and she would walk, you know, like this. One day, my dad went into the sanctuary, and some of you may have heard me tell the story before. I'll shorten it really quickly. And he heard this noise out there. And he goes out there and he finds this woman laying down on her back. Her crutches are in the front pew. She's around in the back in the back. Big, big building, church building there. Slanted floor there. She's underneath there. And he keeps hearing this scraping noise. And then it sounds like a bell or something dinging like that. And so he finally finds her and he says, Sis, what are you, what are you doing down there? She said, Preacher, Mr. Ed, let me in. He said, it was okay for me to do this. He said, okay, well, what are you doing? And she said, uh, I'm doing what I can do, preacher. And she, he said, okay, what are you doing? She said, well, she held up a mason jar about half full of chewing gum and a paint scraper. And she said, what I can. And he said, well, I'm, I'll mention something to the people. She said, preacher, don't take my ministry away from me. Where's the altar? I look around in my life and I see different people. I remember Miss Lovelady in that same church, 90-something years of age, still coming to church, skin draped over like crepe paper and stuff, skinny as a rail, just bones and skin, husband dead, family dead, nobody around, still coming to church, <clears throat> sat way back up there in that corner and got up one Sunday morning and started down the aisle, hands shaking, sounded like styrofoam lids when she started singing. She started singing, I'm satisfied, I'm satisfied, I'm, I'm satisfied with Jesus. She came all the way down. A couple of deacons got up. My dad hit that pulpit so hard, man, he busted the glass on the pulpit. That was really cool, man. I was like 10, and glass went flying everywhere. I was like, that's my dad. I mean, it was, mm. She came all the way down the front, across the front like that, all the way back out there singing that song, all the verses. I think there's four verses there in the choruses. And then went back over and sat down. Broken vessel. I remember a little girl, we were down in Madison, I mean down in uh, Orlando, we were down there and she was sitting in the back and the preacher was preaching and preaching about Jesus and there was a black lady there, I'll never forget that. And he's up there and he said, ladies, I'll tell you what I could do. He turned around with that chalk in his hand. He said, I'll tell you what you could do now. I said, I'm going to introduce you to a man here. He'll, he'll be true to you. He'll love you like you've never been loved before. And he'll take care of you. Won't ever have a fear. Won't have a worry. And he turned back around the draw and that black lady said, she said, oh, Lord, I'd like to meet him. <laughs> And he turned around and he said, if you'll hang on just a minute, I'll introduce you to him. He never missed a beat, man. He did that night. She got saved. Anyway, he comes at the end of that thing. I'm watching this little girl sitting right here in front of me. There's no room for sitting, so I'm standing up against the door in the back there. And she's down there. Boy, I mean, she is crying, man. Oh, tears are just streaming down her face like water down the side of a mountain after a spring rain, man. Dripping off, hitting that little plastic pew, naga hide stuff there and hitting that terrazzo floor, man black burnout popcorn teeth from the meth and stuff and skin poppers all on her man her hair looked like she's old matted up old mangy dog underneath a, a car in a junkyard or something and she's crying so hard i thought well she's gonna get saved she's gonna get she's gonna get saved man she's gonna get saved you know he gives her the opportunity for him to get saved and she doesn't get saved 
So I'm down there rolling up the, the picture and getting ready to leave and stuff like that. And I felt her come up over the top. I didn't know who it was, but lights like this, real bright lights in there, uh, fluorescent lights. And she's leaning over me like this. And I felt a shadow come over me like that. I turned around, it was her. And I looked at her. And uh, she says, uh, don't hurt him. I said, oh, he's not here. He ever lived to make intercession for you, one meeting between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. She looked at me like I had four eyes, man. She didn't know anything about what I was saying, nothing, completely clueless. She said, I said, don't hurt him. And I said, you can't hurt him. This is just a picture of him. I said, he's buried and raised again the third day and all that. I went through the whole deal with her again like that. And I looked at the chaplain over there. had been there about 30 years. Her name was Westmoreland. And I said, chaplain, I think she'd like to talk to you. They sat down on that front row. I'm hurrying now. She sat down on that front row, and she began to talk to her. And that little girl just weeping. Boy, that little bottom lip just shaking. You know how them babies will get shaking sometimes? That lip just gets quivering. It's pitiful looking, man. And the next thing I know, she slides off the pew there, and the chaplain, the whole arthritic knees and stuff, and gets down there with her and begins to pray. And the lady comes in the back, back there, correctional officer, and hollers, count, and tries to get her stirred up there and chaplain says I'll bring her to you and you know the chaplain and all due respect she's you know knows what the rules are so she gets up and she goes out and goes down the side of the wall over there and I'm watching her go there and I preacher's got all of his stuff ready and we're fixing to walk out I said hey 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 can I talk to you she said I gotta go I gotta go I said can I talk just for one second just ask you a question she keeps walking and I said did you get anything settled you know what she said you know what she said to me when she first looked at me she said to me she said he can't clean me up she said, I'm too dirty. And she started to tell me what she did. And I said, I don't need to know what you did. And I quoted her a couple of verses of scripture. She, she, just, she just looked at me like, she said, can't clean me up. And I said, if he can clean me and clean you, if he can't clean me and you, he can't clean nobody. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin, no matter what that sin might be, except rejecting him. And I went through that whole thing and went through that whole thing. So she got ready to go through there. And I looked at her, old orange pajamas, shower shoes on, matted up hair, burnout popcorn teeth, man, just unfortunately, no, no offense, just, uh, just pure ugly. Sin with those iron shod hoofs that just stamped all over her face, boy, just ruined her. Couldn't have been more than 21, 22 years old. Looked like she was 40, boy. Did you get anything fixed up there, you know? She turned around, she smiled. I'll never forget it, man. She looked like she'd been chewing, chewing the back of them old burnout teeth. She said, I'm clean now. You say, what'd she do? Oh, not much. And went a year later, and I saw Chaplain Westmore at the same place. I said, you remember that girl? She said, oh, I remember her. And I thought, oh, boy, here come one of them stories. He said, let me tell you what she did. And I'm thinking, man, with my history, I, I can just imagine. You know what that girl did? That girl could read and write. And she's, the chaplain said, what she would do is, is that we give out these little uh, pad scratch pads and we give out these little tracks and we give out these little booklets and we give out pens and paper and stuff for them to, to be able to write with. And she, you know what she did? She said, what she would do is come in here and the other girls couldn't read and they couldn't memorize it. She said, so she would memorize the scripture for them and we'd give her the gift and then she'd give the gift away. You say, what's the big deal about that? She's just doing what she can. Probably wouldn't fit in most of our churches. But she is willing to memorize some scripture to be able to give somebody else. You say, well, that seems like a, what's the big deal about that? I bet you'll see her in heaven. I bet you when you see her in heaven, the Lord will say to her, she has done what she could. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you doing what you can? When you're sitting, are you listening? Are you learning? 
I mean, if a woman on crutches can do it, and if an old woman in her late 90s can do what she can, can you do what you can? You want to have a great revival meeting this week? I can tell you how to do it. Make a commitment to serve Jesus. No, no. Make a commitment to get to know him. Make a commitment to walk with him and to talk with him. That's where he started off in the garden. You know what he did with Adam? He found Adam in the cool evening every evening, and he walked with him, and he talked with him. You remember that song? I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. Remember how that chorus goes? And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Do you remember that? Wouldn't it be good to just enjoy Jesus this week? It's not a rally. It's not us trying to get you stirred up. Let's go do something for Jesus. Let's go win the roar to Jesus. Let's just enjoy Jesus for the next few days. Let's just let him minister to us. He's good at that. I don't know if you know that or not. Just He's really good at it. You'd be surprised. He'll just like sit down with you on the beach, cook you some bread, some bread and some fish, and say, you hungry? He's really good at it. But you have to slow down long enough to let him. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and turn it over to your pastor. Maybe just a different take on some things here to maybe pull a little bit of pressure off of you for you to consider just doing what you can is enough for Jesus. You hear me? Just doing what you can is enough for Jesus. You say, well, preacher, what if that's all I ever do? If that's all you ever do, what you can, that's all she ever did. There's no record of anything else. You don't have to live up to somebody else's expectations. Just learn to do what you can. Father, please bless your word tonight. Please bless this meeting that we're having. Lord, help us to get back to the basics of just spending time with you and getting to know you and not wait for the next trouble, trial, next tragedy to come our way before we need that time with you, to walk with you and to talk with you and to have fellowship with you. Lord, please help us to just enjoy being with you and spending some time with you over this next week. I know there's plenty of things for us to do, but nothing is more important than sitting and having a conversation with you and listening to what you have to teach us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. About eyes are closed. The Bible says in the end times, be a lot of put in the modern vernacular, a lot of hustling going on. They'll run to and fro. You know what I know about you people? Some of you live in really good, clean lives, but you're running. And I think the Lord's trying to get through to you tonight and just say, slow down. And I didn't save you to give you a to-do list. I saved you to know you and have fellowship with you. When you're in a relationship, there will clearly always be a responsibility. That's part of it. But he did not save you so you would just do stuff for him. Here's the thought. He doesn't need us. But he desires for us to know him and vice versa. I know this. 
it's real easy sometimes to get so busy. I, I don't need you to raise your hands, but just think about this for a moment. Some of you that are married, you ever get so busy with the kids and busy with the house and busy with this and busy with that? A month goes by and you look at your spouse and you go, how are you doing? <laughs> it's because you're just so busy. And if you're not careful, you might even do that with the Lord. I think it's a profound thought. There's no reference of Jesus running. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression in our culture. I think part of it comes from trying to meet the expectations that that the crowd will put on you and and just put that aside tonight. I'm not the only preacher in here tonight. I hope you get, I hope the preachers got a hold of this. This is good. <laughs> There's always that next thing, that next milestone and just slow down looking looking unto Jesus you can't look at him if you're running full speed past him <laughs> part of this whole thing is just learning to let him lead Hope you got something tonight. Yeah. It's been good for us to be here. Um, let's all stand, and, and we're going to be dismissing a word of prayer now. Some may have to leave right away, and there's no pressure. But um, we would really like it, if, you're, if you don't have to leave right away, to enjoy some fellowship with us. We've got tables and chairs all set up downstairs. We've got some dessert. Where's where's my coffee lady? Can we get some coffee on? Is that cool? All right. We'll get some coffee down there. And and what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask uh, uh, a couple of you ladies, maybe some of you young ladies, Bella, Sarah, if you can help down there. All right. If you just had a baby or you have one living inside of you, you're not allowed to help right now. All right. Uh, but Miss Cindy, is Miss Cindy around? Cindy Haas? Miss Cindy, can you help down there? All right. So Miss Cindy and you girls can follow Miss Cindy and kind of get everything, make sure it's all in line. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. I would like for our church to allow for our visitors to go first. So visitors, uh, we hope you want to stick around a little bit before you leave. Um, please go ahead and make your way down there. And uh, after our visitors go through, then our church will go through. All right. And parents... Uh, please be with your child when they get food. Please watch your child when they sit down with food. Please make sure they're not running outside with food, okay? We want to make sure everybody stays safe, but want to enjoy the fellowship down there. Thank you all for bringing something to, to, to enjoy. 
uh, and eat. And for those who came from, from Divide, from Pueblo, from Trinidad, right? Trinidad, así se dice en español. All right? Uh, or from Florida, all right? Or Florida, Florida, right? Uh, we're glad that you're here tonight. Appreciate you coming our way. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, the man that married me and my wife. Uh, we, I, I call him the doctor of dignity, and there's a long story behind that. And I, I'll tell him myself, when I was in Bible school, I worked at the Bible Baptist bookstore, and I worked in the shipping department. So anytime he would order something, I would put on the label, uh, Dr. Robert Woody, THD, MD, PhD, B, all these things out there. And after a while, his, post, uh, his postman started wondering, like, man, what kind of guy am I delivering to? Uh, but uh, really good friend, appreciate it, and thank you for driving all the way up here, brother. If you would dismiss us in a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll get down there and enjoy that fellowship.